I'm Kendall Francis, and you're listening to the Saul Good Media Podcast. I would suggest this. It's pretty therapeutic to go through your belongings and your things, and what do you really need? Like, what do you really want? And just ask yourself those questions as you're going through your personal belongings. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Saul Good Media Podcast, a podcast that explores the nature of human experience. I'm your host, Solomon Harvey, and each week we have a new guest on the show, and we talk about what it is that drives them to do what they do. What is it that gravitates each of us towards our passions? Today, I'm excited to introduce Kendall Francis, who I met over the course of this past year while spending a lot of time in the coffee shop Dripworks. I'm really pumped to have Kendall on the show today because he has an infectiously positive attitude that uplifts everyone around him. But it hasn't always been this way. Kendall faced depression growing up, and in today's episode, we're going to dive into some of the creative ways that he was able to overcome that depression and connect with his community. Kendall, to kick it off, how would you like to introduce yourself? I was born in Grand Rapids, but ever since I can remember, you know, I lived here with my mom. So just kind of grew up here until I was like 14, moved around a little bit. But um, Petoskey's always been my home, man. Like, love the lake and when you grow up around the lake it's really hard to get away you know what i mean yeah i didn't grow up with the lake i had lake lansing so it was a oh little... man that's not a lake yeah. <laughs> it was a pond I think. yeah a big pond but yeah. yeah now that i'm up here it's one of the reasons that i've decided to stick around and yeah so what were like what are some of the, your early memories that hmm. kind of set some of the trajectory for being a barista being this kind of social person that you are, what do you think sort of sparked that early on? I would have to say depression. I would have to say like, um, when I was growing up, I was very introverted and I didn't have many friends. I knew I wanted to change that. I just didn't know how. So I like played a bunch of video games and I would go skateboarding by myself. I wouldn't, um, I'd listen to music all the time, but I would always go home, but I always wanted to like have a friend or or, you know, meet somebody new. Um, even when I was little, like, I was kind of like that, you know what I mean? It was just kind of like, I would say, like, kind of sinking further into, like, just being a really sad teenager and, and sad, like, even before being a teen. Like, you know, 9 and 10 kind of hit me hard. So it just made, but it made me want to, like, turn that around for myself. At that time, did you have any really close friends? Or- I had a few, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, a, they weren't super I guess, deeper, meaningful relationships. They were just kind of like, I longed to see kids like after school. I, I always wanted to go to school because I wanted to see my friends, but I dreaded like actually going home, like, because I just wanted it to like keep going. I just wanted to be around people all the time, you know? So um, when I would get home, it was just like I had to clam up almost. And I didn't have the courage then, I don't think, to really reach out to people and, and ask. You know, it, it could have just started with me. I could have said something, but I never did, you know? So I just, play video games, listen to music over and over again. (laughs) I feel like something like that doesn't change necessarily overnight. You know, you kind of have these experiences or we all have these experiences that change over time. But when looking back, you don't necessarily see that moment that it changed. So how how do people make that jump? If somebody's listening and they're feeling depressed and they don't know how to be a social person, what was it for you? Did you have to sort of just look that fear in the face and... Um, I actually ended up, if anybody knows me, uh, I ended up getting tattooed so people would talk to me. 
<laughs> which is such a silly, crazy thing to do, like when you're 16. But it was like this longing that I had, but I didn't know how to get out of it. So, I mean, I would say to anybody, just start getting a sleeve when you're 16 or 17. So, and... what, yeah, what was your first tattoo? <laughs> I have two stars on my wrists, and uh, I begged my mom. I remember, like, begging my mom. I was like, Mom, if you just let me have these a star on each wrist, like, I'll never get tattooed again. And so you could tell I didn't keep my promise to that, but it did work. That's what's crazy about the whole thing is, like, it was such a stretch to start getting tattooed, and people were like, it was shock value. So when I started getting tattooed, people wanted to know about that experience and what that was like and where do I go? And it just opened up questions and people came to me and, you know, like it just it really opened that door. As for people like really struggling with not knowing what to do next. I mean, coffee shops are a really good place to start. Like, let's be real. Like there's creative people that come in. There's people reading. There's people meeting. There's good beverages like utilize that space to, you know, to take advantage of it to to be able to maybe you can chime in on a conversation next to somebody or somebody says something about uh, an artist you like or a book somebody's reading and all you have to do is just be polite and nice and then um it really opens up doors when you when you just take that little that little step of like oh yeah you know like oh i really like that person or i really like what you're reading like have you read this and all of a sudden before you know it like that's it's the first step listening to you say that i never really realized this but my mom owned a tea house back in the day in lansing and so we had people in okay. and out of that place all day and so i would come there with her after school and just spend it i spent so much time there and just being <laughs> around so many different people was such a blessing because otherwise you don't really have that interaction and you kind of have to push yourself to get those interactions like going to coffee shops, seeking and getting out of your comfort zone rather than just being exposed to it. Some people are just naturally. I grew up in a big high school with a lot of diverse groups of people. And that, I think unconsciously, I didn't really realize how much I sort of took that for granted when it just kind of was there. I didn't really think of, oh, wow, I get to meet all these different people. It's just there in front of me. So I kind of have that opportunity. But for people... Like you said, you know, if you're spending time at home or you're you don't have a specific reason to go out, it can be harder to make those steps. But I feel like the tattoo thing is awesome. Cause I, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, it was really kind of it really worked. Like, I mean, it's such an insane thing to think that like go like I thought to go get tattooed so people would talk to me. But it it literally has worked. Did you do you, <laughs> do you remember your first the first person that came up to you to yeah i would say like when i got my i remember being in the auditorium of my high school and i had a couple close friends and it was just like everybody wanted to you know maybe it was a little bit of like getting attention but it was like people came up to me and just asked me how it felt and if i'm gonna get something else or and who did i go to and all these questions came and now i and i had something to talk in a conversation i had a conversation piece between me and people I wanted to grow closer to. And at, before that, I really didn't have that like platform. But tattoos are a platform completely. It could be tattoos, but it could also be 
music or clothing or hairstyle yeah. i know i've been reading brian grazier's book uh, curiosity but his okay. hair if you see it it's just standing straight up and his <laughs> daughter and him went swimming one day and he just did that he dried his hair standing up and she was like you should you should keep that and so he did and it's a conversation piece you know it just yeah man things. like yeah, anything can be that. And just for me, it just seemed like if I got tattooed, it's enough to pull people towards me mm -hmm. to be able to like talk to them. Which I think could be also perceived of as the opposite. Sometimes tattoos can be intimidating. It can be That's like, very true. that guy's got a lot of tattoos. I don't know. <laughs> Which doesn't, you don't come across as that, but you do have them on your neck. So you've got both <laughs> sleeves, right? Yep, two sleeves. Um, a few, uh, a couple on my right leg, one on the left. You know, my chest is done. Like I said, I didn't, I'm sorry, mom. I didn't keep my promise to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but, and then uh, nothing on my back, but I, I definitely want to get a back piece and um, have my side done. But you are right. Like people, I've experienced both too. At first, I didn't, I guess I didn't really think about the people that I would offend or push away from that. I only thought about the people that would gather around me in that. So I just, I don't know if that's like a, was like a subconscious thing, but it was just like, I blocked out any kind of like naysayers. I was just like, okay, like that's, that's fine. It's not your thing. Like that's a, that, and that's okay. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But um, now when I come across people that don't have tattoos, I think that's like the new cool, like people that mm -hmm. are completely not tattooed. I'm just like, stay that way. Like <laughs> you got Yeah. Be like that. <laughs> I almost feel like tattoos in a sense are sort of like a birthmark. You know, people sometimes have birthmarks on their face or they have yep. them on their places that they can't hide them or some type of physical yeah. thing that's not normal. And that can be a very big insecurity, but using that as your strength, as a conversational piece or seeing it as here's something special that I have that I can bring forward is such a flip for yeah. I think a lot of the common like I need to hide this or I need to be perfect whereas yeah it sounds yeah. like this is the opposite you know what I mean it's like you you have a choice to, to get a tattoo but in a sense that too is wearing your heart on your sleeve right when I see other tattooed people I mean I'm not sure if they're thinking about me thinking this way about me but I just I do kind of like I notice them like out of everybody else I notice usually tattooed people out of just the ordinary people like my eyes just trained to do that and then most of the time they look like just sincere and genuine people too and so sometimes I'll just either talk to them about their tattoos or if I notice that they're doing something else and it's a conversation piece then I'll just go to that but usually it's just a pretty good it's a pretty good um, scenario to just talk to somebody and just like you said you're wearing your heart on your sleeve so there's something in that vulnerability that is so attractive like that they're putting themselves out there to be like i want to wear this for the rest of my life mm -hmm. talk about commitment that's like <laughs> yeah, a big right, right. <laughs> so you're 16 you get two tattoos you're starting to have conversations with people yeah what stems from that what what are some of the next phases being in bands like doing the whole like band thing like having a couple bands in high school and then having kind of a serious band when I got out of high school. And that was in Howell, Michigan. I moved down there for a little bit and was in a band called Monty and I played bass for them. And that was, I don't know, like the most serious thing I did with music to date other than my solo album that I have. But yeah, it just kind of, it, it pulled me in the direction of 
so like in Michigan, there's like the Michigan hardcore scene. There's the Michigan punk scene. There's, I mean, I'm sure that there's Michigan country scene and Michigan <laughs> folk scene and stuff, but there's a Michigan hardcore scene that's downstate in um, Livingston County and Howell and Flint and like Detroit. And it used to be really prevalent in, um, I want to say like the late nineties, early two thousands and it has since kind of died off. But those people are the majority of them are tattooed and like, and are outspoken and wanting to go to shows and wanting just to have a good time and, and do something else besides go to the bar or, or um, get caught up in some kind of routine that's just not good for you, you know? And so people um, really kind of flock to music down there, I would say. And being in Monty was just, it was cool. I met so many people. I lived down there and was living with my drummer, Zach. And so from, from high school into Monty, then it was just like, I was growing up, you know, and that was early 20s after that. I felt like I was like learning how to live life. But at the same time, 20s go by so fast. <laughs> so is Monty a hardcore band? Yeah, I would say it was, we were comparative to like a harder version of Taking Back Sunday. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Which I kind of liked because I like Taking Back Sunday. So. And how about your album? Was that in the solo album? Was that hardcore or acoustic? No, that was very soft and emo and very like uh, singer-songwriter, very um, personal and very like where I just wanted to open up even more to people and um, yeah, share my experiences from like my mid-20s basically um, on an album. It was just like a five-song five song ep but completely different music yeah i've always been a big softy man <laughs> like is that something i could link in the description or are you keeping that oh no i wish you could it used to be on spotify and it used to be on itunes but i had since taken it down okay yeah yeah but um you could always email me and if you want a copy i'll send you one perfect so yeah, yeah. cool i'll have links in the description sure so then after high school did you continue to do the music scene or were you starting to look for jobs or? Um, after high school, I kind of, I tried to do the college thing. Like I went to college for a couple of years and I wanted to be a counselor at one point, kind of a, an addiction counselor to help people with addictions. And then I kind of, from there, I wanted to be a couple other things, I think, like a teacher at one point or something. But ultimately, when when the music thing was presented to me, um, I just, I ran with that because my, you know, my passion for music was just so, it's always been big. Like I've always just wanted to play instruments and play with other people. And so when I got out of high school, college wasn't working, you know, straight back to music. And then I spent most of my 20s just kind of doing what I wanted, which I think a lot of people do like in their 20s. And you think you have like some aim. Some people have really good direction. Me, I'd, I'm like... I'm like, oh, this is this is awesome. And I should do this. And oh, my gosh, like, yeah, let's go over here. And let's do this. Like, I'm very like, if I get passionate about something, like I kind of go all in, for sure. I'm very like, like, oh, I really want to do this. So I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the best skateboarder. And if I'm not the best skateboarder, I'm going to be the best writer. I was going to be in the best band, you know, in, in lower Michigan. <laughs> yeah. So with that, what was it that ultimately led you to being a barista because you've worked in a few different coffee shops over the years is that correct yeah yeah i was um a manager for northbrook coffee about a year and a half ago i would say and i think that was like my first real coffee gig i think i had just realized that i was spending a lot of time in coffee shops at first i actually couldn't stand coffee i i didn't i didn't get it at all i was just like there's no way people just drink cups of this stuff and then when i started spending a lot of time 
because my friend Burke, he would he would spend a lot of time working in coffee shops and I would just tag along and we would go to different coffee shops and he'd work out of the coffee shop because he has like a remote job. And then um, I just found myself, I, I started with mochas. That's the key. If anybody's interested in getting into coffee, start with mochas and then it'll, it'll open up. <laughs> so after that, I just kind of, yeah, I kept kind of sticking around coffee shops and then I got a job there. And then I noticed that there is differences, obviously differences between the coffee shops that some take themselves a little bit more seriously than others. Some people are geared towards like, they want their customer base in and out and they're just kind of very quick and like they got you like to just keep you on your way, which North Perk is great at. Like they're they're accustomed to that. That's what they they're known to do. And um, working for Dripworks has just been so eye opening and so it's been such a process and I've grown so much in my coffee knowledge because of Danielle and Mike. Because they've put the work in before they even had a coffee shop and they really did their homework and they have a standard that they won't let go. So like you, you couldn't go there and start changing things around because Danielle knows what works for coffee and for the specific coffee that we have. So mm-hmm. shout out to them because they are, uh, they're two of the coolest people that I've, I've come across in our area, man. And I'm, I, I'm really thankful for them. They're, they're great. What a cool skill to learn and then have just as you carry on with future jobs, like you're bringing so much knowledge to the table. Yeah, Dripworks, man, it's just, um, it's very precise and meticulous, which I am in my own life. So I was like, I could just kind of, when I got in the job, I was like, just show me how you want it done. And I will always try to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you know, thankful, like Danielle operates like that as a boss. Like, I will show you how to do something, keep asking me questions, and we will just tighten up and hone your skill. All the art and stuff that I've I've ever that I know now and that I can consistently make and and pull good shots and like weigh out everything and weigh out milk and and uh, all that stuff is just from being around them. And they really put everything that they can into their employees, you know. One of the things that we talked about when we first sat down and thought about doing a podcast together is just the idea of, of being kind. I think we're both not to talk to, I don't really like talking myself up, but I feel like we both are just genuinely interested in other people um yeah pretty kind individuals and i wonder if we were to break down a little bit more of what it is that friendships are based on just to use ourselves as an an experiment as an example what do you think it is that so somebody asks you about your tattoo Mm -hmm. and you guys have a conversation what is it that continues the conversation what is it that gets people past that surface level of because i i go to coffee shops pretty often and i think a lot of the times i see people and i recognize their faces but i don't get to know them and i've heard from so many different people in this area too it's like how do i get to know people like there's no where do i go where do i meet people my age or how do i find out what's going on and i think a lot of it is like seeking that discomfort of like interjecting in a conversation but what do you think has built some of your deeper friendships over the years? I think it's a lot of the the common ground that you have between the person and the other one. And there's almost like something that happens. It's almost kind of magical between you and the other person when you start finding common ground and how your conversation is building. And once it's building, you guys start talking about um, you, you move from like, oh, where are you from? How, hi, how are you? And what's your name? Oh, yeah, like I'm from here. Once you move past like all that stuff, you start to 
really know the person. And I think once you start sharing experiences with somebody and opening up your heart, the friendship or the acquaintance at that time shifts because you want to know more things and they do too. And that feels good. Now I have community. Like now I, you go home, maybe they're not per se your friend, but they're well on their way. And if you got their phone number or if you got their email or their Instagram or Facebook, now you have somebody that you could just kind of connect with and like, you don't feel embarrassed to say, hey, what what would you be doing on Friday? Or like, do you want to get lunch? Or just like, I had a really good time just talking to you and, and not being weird at all, just like saying that. Mm-hmm. And again, like some people are, are uncomfortable with that, but I'm telling you, it, it does pay off. I just love people and I just, I, I want to see people do well in their, their lives and in their craft. And I want to be a part of it if I can, you know? I feel like you're the same way too. I feel like you want to like grow something with somebody as well as as far as a friend is concerned Mm -hmm. like you want to have a little bit more depth you want to have like like not just so like touch and go like yeah let's go do something let's actually go do something and not just say we're gonna go do something Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it really does it just takes time and it's opening yourself up and what i was thinking about while you're talking about that is how quickly tattoos break through because they are something that you really care about it's something that you've put a lot of time in energy and not i guess everybody sometimes not everybody puts as much thought into it as others yeah but if you have a tattoo and i ask you about that that more likely is going to be a way more meaningful answer than if i just say hey what's up yeah you know or something like that yeah yeah or you know even asking me about the book i'm reading or Mm -hmm. what i'm listening to if you Mm -hmm. notice i have headphones in or um, saw a piece of art on my computer screen like you're right like the the level of depth to a tattoo is just the conversation piece is going to be stronger anyways just because like I've put it on my body or like mm-hmm. you know the person has put it on their body to say something hopefully to say something because mm-hmm. I mean at the end of the day with tattoos it's just I think that's what that's the point is you you want to say something so something happened in your life that you really do want to carry with you, mm-hmm. you know, so. Or it speaks to you like a piece of art so much so that. Yeah. 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 I, and I feel like one of the biggest things that we all face is just that fear of rejection, that fear of being awkward or just overlooked. And I think the only way through that is by doing more of it. And so I'm always trying to yeah. push that, push that edge for myself of what's what's something that i wouldn't do so that i can try to get a little and i was watching this comfort challenge of this guy that he basically did a new comfort challenge every day and it was so funny but the biggest thing that he got out of all of his experiences is a lot of times we assume that when somebody says no that it's because they don't like us but so here's here's a short story of his experience he went up and was gifting flowers to random people around the neighborhood and, <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah and he goes up to this guy's house knocks and he's like can i plant this flower in your yard and the guy said no and typically people are just going to run away and say, okay like sorry for bothering you i'm gone but he said that the biggest thing that he learned is you have to ask why and the, when he asked why the guy said well i have a dog i would dig it up But if you go down the street, I'm sure there's like this lady would love for you to plant in her yard. And so for us to ask why is a huge key in 
finding out that it's really nothing personal. So yeah. a lot of times it's these little things like, oh, I just don't have time or I'm working on this thing that I need to get done. And it has nothing yeah. to do with you, really. Yeah, we do internalize things pretty quickly in our minds. If somebody does say no, we're like, oh, man, you don't like me? Like, have you <laughs> we take it so personal. Have you dealt with any of that through um, the years or have you been pretty just i feel like when you're open people are open with you so it's yeah like i think i think for me it, it's always been about like people are attracted to joy and happiness and i think there's enough sadness going around and there's enough despair and things to be upset about and things to be negative about but when people see like somebody that is happy where they are they're they're intrigued they're interested i know i am so when I see that, and I've I've always tried to keep my spirits high. I've always tried to keep, you know, I have Stay Posy tattooed on my knuckles because when I was in that band, that was like, that was kind of the scene's like mantra or the scene's quote or like the scene's thing. Like, it's like, stay posy, like just stay positive, stay positive, you know? And that got like drilled and instilled in me so much so that I tattooed it on my knuckles. And I think if you're positive and you're kind and you're genuine and you're sincere and you're trying to be like, I mean, you're trying to better yourself. You're not trying to be perfect. You're just trying to like to put yourself out there and to be happy and to not worry about yesterday. Like yesterday doesn't matter. There's nothing you can do about it, which is easier said than done sometimes because, you know, we all have our struggles. But I think for me, being kind of open and out and about and just, you know, doing something stupid like singing out loud or like, I don't know, joking around with people and and, and just kind of being lighthearted and trying to be tender, but not pushy and and all these things that just kind of make up who I am, it's just kind of like, you know, I'm a lot like my dad. My dad can make friends like nobody's business. I don't know how he does that, but he just, everybody loves my dad, Fonz. So I just, um, I don't know, he lights up a room and I just want people to feel better. And I think if you can, um, if you can step outside yourself and know that there's like, it's not just you and your world, like you're living here with a bunch of other people like on this planet and everybody's got stuff. So just take a minute to just breathe and, and realize that like, you don't, you don't have to just think about you anymore. Like just, you can just stop thinking about you and you can just look around and see all the people, mm -hmm. you know? I agree with that hundred percent. I think social media and some other parts of our society kind of make us want to push that, put that best face forward all the time or like, and it ends up putting a lot of focus on ourselves, at least when trying to build a business or trying to make videos or doing things like that. I just feel like I've noticed that for myself of, it's kind of funny. One of the guys I watch, he was like, I'm literally making a video of myself by myself, editing that video of myself by myself in my house by myself. Like, what is this? That's a weird situation but to be in. Somehow he's, you know, he's creating content that really has a lot of value to a lot of people. And so there's this community, yet it is so isolating at the same time. And I think that's what's so cool about the day and age that we live in is that we could have hundreds of thousands of followers or friends, air quote, I don't know yeah. like exactly how to describe that, but, and live in a place like Petoskey where it's dead after 5 p.m. Like there's literally nobody on the street. <laughs> yeah, <yet>. man. <laughs> and I think if I didn't have like a podcast or video or other ways of communicating, I would probably move to a bigger city. 
but because of an online community, I'm able to connect with more people. But we've talked about that a little bit more. And is, is that something that you're considering still as a potential next step of doing a little bit of traveling and yeah, I'm definitely, you know, so I'm out of here at the end of it's December. So I'm out of here at the end of this month. Um, and it's just kind of like, for me, you know, like the online presence is great. Like, I just don't really, I guess, connect well with it just because it's, for me, it gets too isolated and I get too tunnel visioned on myself. And just like you were saying, like, either you can like really, you have like a knack for that and you can kind of like uh, move around easy and not get so like, you know, tunnel visioned on that. But for me, I have to be around like thriving and creative and, and artistic individuals and and definitely, you know, um, people that are uh, wanting to to build like a, a greater community. And um, yeah, I just so at the end of the month, I'm I'm taken off and. You know, it's looking like I'm headed towards Nashville. I don't know if that'll be like my final place. You know, I I have I have some time to think about it, and I got time off work and until I find my next job. And I'm just really excited to get out there and just kind of like go for it. And I think I think it's about time. I've always wanted to live in Tennessee. I've always told people like the only other place I'd live besides Michigan is Tennessee. I haven't been, but I've heard Nashville is a pretty cool spot. Yeah, very up and coming, and lots yeah. of good music scene and things like that. But yeah, I feel exactly what you're describing of really surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded because it's easy when you're when you're working a job that you don't necessarily relate to everybody that you're working with. Mm -hmm. I've been blessed to have people that I just really like if I don't like the people that I'm working with, I very likely won't be working there absolutely for very long and yeah same here but yep. the people that we work with are kind of we see them more than our families like they are the people in our lives that are affecting the way that we think on a day-to-day -day basis and whether it's complaining or just the the nature of the job it's stressful or things like that and when i started to notice that I was like wow i'm spending so much time with these people and we're it doesn't feel like we're working towards a bigger mission that it's more of just getting by and there's a lot of wishing things were different without taking initiative to change things. And so, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to change when you don't like the way that things are going, but it is, it's something I just want to dive in a little bit. I'm just sort of leading up to like diving into that a little bit more of going back to when you were not happy with the situation of, of being, you know, depressed and making those changes in your lives what would you say to encourage people so like you're making a big move coming up what are some of the things that allowed you to think that that was a possibility and to make the, make a change saving money <laughs> saving a lot of money yes. <laughs> so that way you could you could go someplace and getting rid of like a lot of my stuff you know like get like figuring out like what i really need and what i don't which is actually I would suggest this. It's pretty therapeutic to go through your belongings and your things. And what do you really need? Like, and what do you really want to keep? And just ask yourself those questions as, as you're, um, you know, like going through your personal belongings. Because I came across stuff that I thought I couldn't do without. And then now it was just kind of a matter of like, I didn't even realize why I still had it. So I would say like, you know, kind of doing, you know, spring cleaning, even through 
your digital stuff, like your phone and your computer and, and just getting out some stuff that you don't need anymore. But then also going through your belongings and getting and cleaning that up and tightening it up. And then I ended up buying like a, a, a bag, an extra bag, because when I'm going to be traveling, it's just going to be, I have a couple bags and, and that's where I'm going, you know, and I got friends down there, so I'll be all right. It's just kind of, it is a big, like a big move for me, but, um, I just know it'll work out. Like I just have a knowing about it, but for people to take small steps, like do the thing where you're just, you're kind of going through, if you're thinking about moving or you want something more or better or and it's not just necessarily geography. It's not just location. I don't think that like a place necessarily cures you because it doesn't because you still have you with you. So you're still going to, you know, it'll be new and exciting to set your eyes on new things. But I think that's a big motivator too to get you to change is to say like, I have this fresh start and I get to begin again and I'm not going to mess this up this time. It's a big, it's a big motivator for me, you know, to like, the fact the move of Nashville is like, you know, how many people are waiting? Like, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get to meet these awesome people, man. Like, I'm excited to meet these people that don't even know yet. <laughs> I read a book called Being Comfortable with Uncertainty by Pema Children. And it's one of those where you can flip it open to any spot and there's something exactly that you needed to read on that day because it's broken into days. It's not like a chapter book. But that, I think, is something that we, as a culture, as individuals, we don't necessarily know where we're headed. And we can have these ideas of like, oh, I need a job. I'm going to get married. I'm going to retire. I'm going to, then what? I'm going to die, you know, or something like that. <laughs> Jeez, Without that's bleak. <laughs> well, I just think that it can be a pretty subconscious belief of like, you go to school, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, you get old and you pass away. Yeah. Hopefully you have retirement and things right, like that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But yeah. really everything's been changing so quickly with our, just with everything that I think as, as we continue to sort of embrace this uncertainty of like what you're saying of, I'm just going to go, I know that things are lining up for me. It's not like you're necessarily going to get away from something you're going to basically embrace this uncertainty of i'm here we'll see what happens same with it could be that big or it could just be i'm going to the coffee shop and hopefully i like i meet some friends today exactly like, but you, you can take small steps yeah exactly yeah yeah you can take small steps and I, I i you know i'll say it again but like coffee shops are um like a really good and safe bet to just you know, if you're feeling alone and you don't want to feel alone, even if you just like the chatter of people around you, sometimes I go there and I'll read and it's just comforting to see other people doing stuff. And it's a motivator of itself to just kind of like, oh, yeah, I've been wanting to read my books. You know, you see people reading books and stuff. And it's like, I have this book that I've, you know, I haven't picked up and or work on my computer or listen to certain music that I wanted to. So, yeah, you just take that step. Just take that that first step, even though sometimes it's a big one to people, you know. But it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Do you have something in the back of your mind that you want to work towards in terms of writing more music or writing or skateboarding or? Yeah, I'd I'd really like to um to write a novel. I really would like writing fictional been... or I haven't decided. <laughs> cool. But but it would be uh, I really really enjoy writing right now. Like in, in my current state in my my life is just um. 
I don't know. It's kind of like a saving grace is like writing. And then I definitely want to uh, record another album. Those are two things that are on my goal list, which I'm really glad that I have those to aim towards. So I, like maybe release another single, take a, take a small step in that um, and put that on iTunes and Spotify so my friends can listen to it and see where I'm at. And then, um, and then just work really hard on a book because a book is no easy task. It's definitely, that's a lot to, to do. So I, you know, I have a lot of appreciation for authors and I just, I love that again, vulnerability between an author to the reader. It's just, you know, to find yourself in a book is just, it, the feeling is just like to know that you're not alone. Like that's really helped me. So mm-hmm. come out of a funk or come out of like a rut. I've been like, oh, so I'm like them too, them too, you know? Mm. So do you handwrite or do you type on the computer? Handwrite, cursive, handwrite? cursive, wow. man. I still write cursive actually. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. I can handwrite, but I get to about a page and I start just like, I think I just hold my pencil a little too tightly. Yeah, yeah. Cursive flows a little better. Yeah. I mean, I'll type it up after, but most mm-hmm. of the time I start with writing. Nice. I don't know. I kind of, yeah, I have like notebooks on notebooks of, of things and, and all the stuff I've written. So, Well, it's cool to think that we can keep in touch on your journey of self-discovery and what you end up deciding to do i definitely encourage people to connect with you in the descriptions and look for the book you know yeah 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 it might be you know like you never know three to five years or something like that which is yeah you know um but the but i feel like the single would come like um sometime within 2019 what kinds of messages do you feel like you want to come through your music that's a really good question actually solomon that you can you can always be better. And I know that, I don't know, there's so many cliche sayings about that, but like you can, things will be better and things aren't unchangeable. Kind of, I guess, is kind of what I would like to convey. And 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 definitely joy. So people feel happy and, and joyous and not sad. There's enough sad songs in the world. We need some happy ones. Some part of me always loves to sort of dive into devil's advocate a little bit of our whole political scheme of things and i'm not going to get into politics at all right now (laughs) but i do think like why why focus on joy and not on despair why not why do we because i agree with you everything that we're talking about but why do we why do we want to focus on joy i would say just because on the other side if you focus on drama and fill yourself with negative things you can almost spiral out of control in that situation. But with joy and when you feel it and when you have the presence of it or a, a genuine smile or a sincere like, you know, um, look or just people putting themselves out there and just like, you know, getting getting you food or you're doing something for somebody else. When you do something for somebody else, it's just like the reward's so great because it's just, again, connection. Connection and community and um we want to focus on joy because there's just so much sad and badness out there. It's like, there's a, there's enough. I mean, like our media outlets are all fueled by ratings that are generated by like, what is the biggest drama that sells, but they grip you with that. It's like gripping stuff because for some reason, our culture, drama and sadness and, and despair and, and depression sells. And why? Because like I was at the gym this morning and I was watching the news. I was trying to get away from screens because I had way too much <laughs> screen time yesterday. And at the gym, every freaking treadmill has a TV and then there's a TV behind that. And I was just like, 
I can't get away from these things. <laughs> but I was just starting to read some of the transcriptions that were going up there. And I was like, this, everything is so negative. It's so dramatized. And why does that stuff sell? I don't understand. Like, that's not what I want to fill my mind with. And that's why I started the podcast. It's like, I want to create some form of media that uplifts people and inspires people and puts positive messages to remember that and also see that other people have found their way from despair to joy. But yeah, I just ask those questions because I think sometimes we we move in that direction without actually knowing why. Why am, why am I seeking joy? And I think you've tapped into that. So yeah, thank you for your answers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. It's interesting though. Do you like, why does drama sell? I don't think you can blame any one sort of thing. But I think the way that the Western culture, what it's become like over the years and when it was founded and all this stuff way before me, I think that they really, they wanted something positive in it to be, to go a certain way. And it's clearly not because I think the negative way is the easy way out. If you realistically think about it, like it's so easy to be sad about something. It's so easy to be tied up in like somebody else's drama or gossip or whatever. It's just so, and it's almost kind of fun. It almost feels fun to be like talking about somebody you shouldn't be talking about or like, or gossiping about something that, you know, like people are going through. It's not, it's not really your business. You're, I mean, I think our jobs are to uplift each other. I think our jobs are to grab a hand and just like, like, we're going to make it, we're going to be all right. And I should say something positive to you because you're, you're made in the same image as me. We both have that connection. You are a person. So, but I think the Western culture has just took this dive of like, I don't know, like I said, I, I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's, it's a lot of little bad things that have just made this huge mess. So as you were kind of going through these different phases in your life and as you continue to grow, are there people that stood out to you as major role models of saying like, hey, this is possible? Yeah, I would say, you know, my, my dad has always been in my corner. My, my father is no matter highs, lows, in-betweens, anything that I've gone through, my family has, has stuck by me and and pulled me out of some really deep, deep ruts. And I think like, that and then really close friends, friends that feel like family that uh, that I've grown to to know and um, we've experienced life together and and I've been there for them and they've been there for me and it's just like you know that's what the relationship is and has been and and just really good solid friendships where people you know mean what they say like and um and and they're able to to just uh, to be real with you about things when you cross that threshold between saying what's comfortable and being like you're not gonna like what i have to say so i'm but i love you so i'm gonna have to say it so i, I have a handful of people like that in my life and they will keep you on course you know mm -hmm. so yeah i think in my church community too you know if you belong to a good church community that is something because i think that you know seeing like going to church or like going to some kind of community group, whatever it is. And just like we were talking about with work, work is kind of like family too. Mm -hmm. um, you want those relationships to be strong and good, you know. And then looking into sort of near future, what would be kind of the community that you see yourself in? What, what type of thing would you like to cultivate or find for future living conditions and things like that? I'd really like to find my people. And by people, I mean like people that the the relationships, the roots go down so deep that I'd be around them in a part of their community for, um, you know, for years and years, like really deep and, 
and walk through life with some people like some close friends and find and find that you know i i think i found that but um with various people i've met over the years but they're they're so spread out so um i would like to find a, an area like tennessee where i could just really lay my roots and be there for people and and vice versa man because i'm i'm not just the only one that can give help but i'm going to need help too mm-hmm. and i think we we all need to own up that up to that like we we all need help sometimes so do you have any words of wisdom calls to action for people out there yeah i don't know like go out and buy somebody a coffee or like go uh you know write a song or write down some words or do do the um, spring cleaning thing, you know, which is, is so therapeutic or, you know, make some plans or some goals or, you know, um, listen to some music that's not sad. <laughs> and like, because I'm always like listening to the songs that are like kind of a bummer, but not really a bummer. But lately I've kind of I've changed my tune. So um, which has helped me a lot currently. So pick up the book that you're you're uh, not picking up and uh, just go for it. Thanks again to Kendall for being on the show today. If you want to learn more about Kendall, be sure to connect with him in the links provided in the description of this episode. I've noticed that Spotify doesn't always have clickable links, so either get an iPhone and use the podcast app or head on over to SaulGoodMedia.com. The Saul Good Media podcast is produced and edited by me, Solomon Harvey, and I've got to say, I would not have been able to keep creating episodes like the one you heard today without the help of my patrons. So thank you guys. I've had seven of you become patrons of Saul Good Media, and together we've raised over $400, which is amazing. The money raised on Patreon is going towards new microphones, camera equipment, and much more. So get excited for 2019. It's going to be good find out how you can become a patron head on over to patreon.com forward slash media and find out how you can support Good media for as little as a dollar a month you've been listening to Good media podcast i'm solomon harvey have a Good rest of your year happy new year guys peace out Small.